Hey, welcome to episode five. Hey, it's Caroline, and today I am interviewing Michelle of MKW Creative. And I really want you to listen to in this episode how Michelle has created a super specific niche based on what she loves to do, not just what on everyone around her is aspiring to do or what they think the end goal is. And she's taken her strengths, her dream clients, and created an offering that's really easy for her to sell. Michelle is so passionate. She has so much fun on social media. Seriously, you need to be following her on Instagram, on TikTok. If you're on there, you need to get in her Facebook group because what she is doing and building is so amazing. And I know that you're going to love this episode and learning more about her. Welcome to the Thriving Creative Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Caroline Vianata, and I am here to share truths, actionable takeaways, and strategies to help you reach your potential without the constant hustle. I am going to be welcoming you into meaningful conversations with successful creatives about the mindset that it takes to run and grow a thriving creative business. Thank you so much for coming on here. I am so excited to have you and to get to introduce everybody to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you got to here? Absolutely. So 2020 is my sixth year in business, which is still wild to me um, because I actually started as a college student. I had kind of taken a visual communications course where we sort of touched Illustrator, like barely, I think for one assignment. And I thought Illustrator was so stupid. I was like, I'm never going to do that. I want to work in a museum. I'm going to be a curator. So I had a museum internship um, doing events at the Museum of Contemporary Art here in San Diego. And it was an office job. And I come from a very big entrepreneurial family. And I just was looking at myself being like, what am I doing here? This is so not me. And then kind of ended up taking a job doing graphic design on campus um, with no experience. So I was the person in the creative zone, we called it, who um, helped the student orgs do their posters or flyers or whatever for their special events, um, like the soccer team or LGBTQ pride club or whatever. And I loved the creative problem solving of graphic design. Mm -hmm. Um, I was an art major and really had a hard time identifying as an artist because I wasn't like furiously sketching in my sketchbook. Mm -hmm. But give me a prompt, I could run with it and I could get it done by the problem, which was definitely hard for art students most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of became this perfect storm of business-minded background with an art swing on it kind of. And I like got totally high on my own supply of design. Like I loved it. So that was Years ago, um, I graduated and my parents really encouraged me. They're like, do, do it full time. If it doesn't work, go get a job. Um, so I lived at home for the summer with my friends from college. They moved into my parents' house with me. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. So fun. Off, it's so fun. <laughs> kicked off my business that way and networked wow. like crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy. And then started traveling. And yeah. then the last three years, I've been kind of traveling on and off. I've visited 52 countries. 
And uh, now I'm back in San Diego and like kind of getting my roots about me and, and really investing in this community because it's been my favorite one. So mm. yeah. Amazing. Wow. Well, I am like so excited to dive in more to how you've networked, how you've built the community. Because honestly, when I found you online, I was like, okay, not only is she showing up so like authentically, I know that word gets passed around, but I was like, I feel like I know her. She's so fun. I want to hang out with her. And then you have this amazing Facebook group where everyone else is having fun hanging out, which I know a lot of creatives like aren't on Facebook quite as much. Instagram's usually their jam, but Facebook is so amazing for like actually really connecting and right. you're doing that so well there. And then I know you have like a weekly live you do, you bring mm-hmm. on someone. I'm doing that after this. Yeah. Okay. okay amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about like networking and connecting and why that's important to you and what you're doing with that. Of course. So I'll preface this by saying I'm a maximalist. Like I love doing all the things and I kind of have borderline creative ADD where I do one thing and I get bored of it and I want to try something else. Um, And really with the social media aspect being in business for a while, I wanted to go back and look at my data. Like, where are these leads coming from? And at the Mm -hmm. end of last year, I made a huge list of anyone, whether I worked with them or not, that reached out to me for a project. And 60% of it came from Facebook. So I'm like, oh, well, duh. Like, because I was in a bunch of Facebook groups and networking with people and asking questions and getting feedback. And it was kind of naturally that people were finding their way to my website. Also, overwhelmingly, people who submit contact forms to my website are looking at it from desktop. So that Mm -hmm. already eliminates my Instagram population (laughs) because Instagram is, you're going to be not on Instagram on your desktop, you're on it on mobile. So that kind of, shook up my whole strategy. Mm-hmm. I love Instagram and it's like my first love and for creatives, it's wonderful. But mm-hmm. also, you know, you hear all these, the big bad algorithm and mm-hmm. discoverability is really difficult. And like you said, you don't get an opportunity to personally connect with other people mm-hmm. where I feel like the Facebook groups, because it's a private group, it's closed. You can ask the questions without feeling like you're spamming. You can ask for feedback um, and send links and say, oh, read this yeah. book, look at this podcast, whatever. Um, it's much more organic that way. And it's a lot less work actually on my side. Mm. Um, because I get to kind of post things as I think of them. I don't have to schedule them out. I don't have to make a bajillion hashtags. I don't have to share to my stories. Like it's such a better ROI on my time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, community is absolutely of paramount importance for me. Um, I think my parents watching them as business owners my whole life. Uh, my mom's interior design. My dad's the contractor. They work together. Oh, wow. uh, fostering that community is mm. like definitely attributes to their success. So mm-hmm. I was, um, part of a sorority in college and I loved it. And I really was missing that, like craving that community experience, not just for like the social aspect, mm-hmm. but for the mentorship and the education and guidance. And like that, like I said, the sense of community. So, um, going to networking events has always been very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. So cool. Do you think that that has affected kind of how you show up online because you are connected or have you always been that way? Like, has it been easy for you to show up on social media? Yeah, I think really 
I've hit my stride in like the last two years. I think there's when I was starting out because I was on the younger side, like there was a lot of imposter syndrome or feeling overwhelmed or feeling like, well, my work doesn't look like so-and-so's or even worse. Oh, if I want to be successful, I need to have an Instagram like so-and-so's account, or I need to be this person, which wasn't true to me. And just about this time last year is when I did my big yellow photo shoot because I love the color yellow. I had like this random guy in a coffee shop in Costa Rica told, tell me my aura was yellow. There were just like all these hints. I'm wearing yellow right now. Mm -hmm. Like there were all these yellow things. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to lean into it. And I think before I was afraid, like, well, what if somebody doesn't like yellow? Does that mean they don't want to work with me? Mm -hmm. And then I switched it. I'm like, well, if they don't like yellow, I don't want to work with them. Like, mm-hmm. what? Yes. And so kind of being more choosy about who I work for helped. And now even this year, like I lowered my prices. I've had my biggest month ever. So mm. I mean, entrepreneurship always like flips shit on its head. Excuse me. I don't know if I can guess, <laughs> but it kind of flips everything upside down. And I think if you're receptive to taking note of how things change and, and you're okay enough to pivot, then everything else comes naturally. Mm-hmm. That's so. awesome. Is there a time in your business where you felt like you really hit your stride? I know you said like on social mm-hmm. media, you did a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but like, did was there ever a point where you felt like you were thriving instead of just surviving in your business? Yes. I think that happened when I started to niche. Um, and mm. every podcast will tell you this, every book will tell you this, mm-hmm. that the riches are in the niches. And when I decided to only take projects for things that I was good at, I was happier. The quality of my work was better. My clients were happier and I was getting more referrals. So for me, I used to do social media management and t-shirts and postcards and business cards and like 500 things. And because I was doing 500 things, I couldn't get good at anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, about two years ago, I focused only on offering brand design. Um, and I really, with an emphasis working with newbie business owners who like have a side hustle or they're just getting started and they just need beautiful creative assets. Um, mm-hmm. that's my sweet spot for sure. Um, I made the mistake last year of kind of like chasing higher budget clients. Cause I kind of mm-hmm. built up enough of a list to be like, Oh, I want to do like a 5k, a 10k branding project. Mm-hmm. And like midway last year, I totally regretted it. Totally. Mm. Because it was so much handholding. The projects took forever. And just because a client had a lot of money didn't necessarily mean they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that to me was more frustrating than anything. Like yeah. I want someone to be hyped on their project. This is the most exciting mm-hmm. part of forming a business. I want to give you the assets. I want you to run with it. I don't mm-hmm. want you to have to come back to me. What do I post on Instagram today? Mm-hmm. Like that stuff to me was not my strong suit. I'm not a good hand holder in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Like I want you to be in the nest and then I want to push you at the nest and like watch you fly. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that that was who I wanted to work for, I kind of made like a total left turn. And, and now it's, things are like, whoosh, which is great. Yeah. Was that scary for you at all? Or were you ready to niche down like that? I think I was ready because I was tired of working on projects I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I said, I work for myself. I make my own schedule. I've been able to travel all over the world. And so, yeah, there were seasons of me doing stuff 
taking on projects I didn't want to take on, or the client had a ton of red flags and like, it got really uncomfortable. And I have a whole blog on my website, like how to quit a client before they quit you kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. I had this real dip where I was like, oh man, am I not good at my job? But it's not that I wasn't good at my job. I just wasn't working for the right person. So me pivoting became less scary because I knew I could go after the jobs I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. luckily, because I've been doing this for six years, I built up enough of a reputation, enough of a social media following that those jobs came by the dozens. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your clients right now, or I guess your dream clients that Mm -hmm. you're working with. And how long do you work with them for? I just want to hear a little bit about the process. Yeah. Yeah. So my process, okay. So end of last year, basically I was working on these really big projects that still were not getting finished, right? Huge branding projects with all the collateral and website and social strategy. And I was just hating it. (laughs) Like really. And I, when I hate something, I don't do very good work. And then I second guess myself and then things are slower. And then when a client books a call with me, I'm like, Oh God, I got to talk to them today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a mood ruiner. And then I had, um, through some Facebook groups I'm in, some girls reach out, like, this is my gold star client. So I'm happy to like give her a total shout out, but she works a corporate job in New York city. She runs a style blog and she has this Facebook group called bad bitch book club. And I'm like, she goes, she contacts me. She goes, Hey, I have this side hustle. I have an existing audience. They're begging me for merch. How much do you charge for a logo? And before I'd be like, well, what you need is a brand <laughs> eight week process. And I'm going to give you business cards and letterhead and blah, blah, blah. that's not what she needed. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I typically wouldn't take this project on because it doesn't fit my scope or my price point, but you know what? For 500 bucks, like let's do it. Mm-hmm. And we crushed it. We did the whole turnaround 16 days. 16 mm-hmm. days for branding. She was obsessed. She shouted me out all over social media. She launched her merch, had people begging her for more designs, begging. And then she turned right back around. She goes, okay, let's do a Valentine's launch. And I was like, oh Hell yeah. So now it's an Fun. ongoing client and we just get to work so fast, but I don't yeah. have to, like I said before, I don't have to handhold her. Like yep. she rocks it and she's so active on social. And that's huge for me as like an independent contractor freelancer. Um, so she's a great example of like my ideal client. Um, the other one is a friend of mine from middle school. I just posted her project today. She's launching a company called Rebridal, where she's going to do consignment and thrift of wedding dresses, but in like an elevated way. Um, not a Poshmark or a thread up, like Mm -hmm. exclusive to wedding gowns, period, beautifully styled, beautifully photographed quarter of the price. Mm-hmm. And I just loved that concept and same thing. She's like, I'm just getting started. I'm going to need, you know, investors. And my boyfriend's helping me build out this app and this website. And I just need the branding to be on lock. And like, again, it's been 12 days and we're already done. She, and she's obsessed. Wow. So those to me are so fun. Cause it's like an adrenaline high. Uh-huh of delivering and it's less back and forth. I think before I was showing clients like here's 16 concepts, here's 12 concepts for your branding. Mm. They don't know what they're looking at. They don't know how to choose. Like that's why they hired me as a professional is to sh- tell them what they should do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's, that's so cool. Part. 
You know, yeah, I love that. And I can just feel your energy in it and how you love the quick turnaround, the passionate clients. Yeah. And I'm sure that just makes everything so different. Like you're enjoying it more. You're putting out better creative work, I'm sure, yeah. because that's what you want to be doing. Totally. And then it also gets everyone else excited. Like when I do post a mood board and then five days later can post the branding, they're like, oh my gosh, I saw that five days ago. And it's already like that to me, I think also caters to like kind of new age marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Like we Mm -hmm. want things quick and we want to see a beginning, middle and end Mm -hmm. and everything tied up in a nice bow. Mm -hmm. And it's creating great engagement on my social media. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you know your Enneagram number? Yes. What are you? C- could you guess? A seven? No, I'm a one. You're a one. Well, huh? well ones grow into sevens. That means you're a really yes. well integrated one. <laughs> Just because of your excitement. I'm an eight wing seven. So. Okay, nice. I wish I could say I know what all of those are. But oh, okay. I'm much more Myers-Briggs heavy. Okay. Um, ENFJ, which is like a okay. peculiar combination. Um, but yeah, I love the personality like test stuff. Uh-huh. Me too. I'm so into it. I want to hear about your travels Yeah. and working while traveling and wh- why you love traveling and going all over the world. Sure, sure, sure. So I, um, I guess everyone explains it as like when the travel bug bites, right? So either you get the travel bug or you don't, <laughs> I think. And I went on a Europe trip with my family when I was 15. We went on a cruise and did like all the major European cities. And I remember being in Italy, seeing the study abroad students sketching in the middle of a piazza architecture. And I literally said, that's going to be me. Mm-hmm. And so when I applied to college, I looked up the colleges with the best study abroad programs. And University of San Diego, 87% of their students study abroad. They have like a huge variety of abroad programs. I knew I wanted to go back to Italy. Um, so I studied abroad twice. <laughs> so wow. I did one intercession trip, which was like between fall and spring semester in Florence for my chemistry mm. credit called Chemistry wow. of Food and Cooking in Italy. Wow. That was amazing. And then on that trip, we did a weekend in Rome. Mm. And I'd been to Rome before and I hadn't really seen it. But when I was back the second time, I just absolutely fell in love with the city and it is kind of a touristy spot but it has these little pockets that are so interesting Mm -hmm. and the culture and the architecture and the art and just the way of life is so different from the states I feel Mm -hmm. so I did four months in Rome and then when I graduated I just knew I wanted to go back so I graduated and then I lived here in San Diego for about a year and a half Um, and then I have like what I call my series of unfortunate events. Like I was working and I was self-sufficient and I was living in a great apartment with great roommates, but I went on a Europe trip with a friend and was like, I'm going to try this like work and travel thing. And the best part about being from California is when you're in Europe, the hours, the time difference, like really works in your favor because you have the mornings to go explore. And then you can work in the afternoons when your clients are up. Oh, I see timing wise, it was great. And I was like, dang, I think I could do this. And so I was kind of brainstorming like, okay, what could I do? I looked into remote year and was kind of turned off by the fact it was a year long. Mm. And then I found this group called Wi-Fi tribe, which is a bunch of entrepreneurs that go travel together one month at a time. It's like, mm. so, 
Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I'm living in Solana Beach. Like, I, my friends are here. Like, I can't just pay rent in two. I can't pay to go mm-hmm. to Costa Rica and also pay rent. Like, no way. That's just silly. I'm 24 at the time, right? So I was really grappling with like, okay, what the heck do I do? I came back from this Europe trip. We put down my like childhood dog because mm-hmm. he was old. And I told my car. And I was oh. like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. Like I <laughs> basically worked my butt off, saved a bunch of money and booked a trip with Wi-Fi trip to Costa Rica for six weeks. Um, took the, my car was totaled, took that check right to the bank mm-hmm. and was like, I'm not going to have a car cause I'm just going to travel for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, kind of started off on that trip. And by the end of that six weeks, I already booked my next trip with them. So I went to Cape town and then I did a third trip with them in Croatia and then um, been all over Europe. I went to Southeast Asia solo this time last year. And then I spent 189 days abroad last year. Wow. Um, which was a lot. I don't know that I would do it again. It was definitely yeah. a lot of trouble. Um, but yeah, I'm just addicted to it. And I, I love meeting people and being in a new place. It's so good for my creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and also great for my business because mm-hmm. I can go anywhere. So I can have clients halfway across the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I talked to a motion graphic designer yesterday who was my roommate in Cape town, who's from Brazil. And then now I'm potentially hiring a virtual assistant who's from Madrid, but now living in Estonia. And because wow. we know each other from traveling yeah. and that's to me, my network just went like, Ooh, huge. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's so cool. What was your favorite place you've been to? Oh, great question. I loved Cape Town, South Africa. Mm. Because I think once you've been to Europe, you, like Europe is so accessible also. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cheap to get a flight there now. Um, I love Europe. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Italy. But Cape Town has such a unique energy mm-hmm. and like great entrepreneurial vibes. The history is like both tragic fascinating. Um, and being able to go on safari on the weekends is wild, just wild. It's like, what? There's like zebras and lions and tigers and like all this stuff and elephants. And that was too freaking cool. And my sister just arrived today on study abroad in Cape town, my younger sister. Oh, wow. So she's there now. And I'm so jealous. I'm uh-huh. <laughs> like send me pics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you have plans to travel anytime soon? You mentioned that you kind of want to Yeah, kind of. Yes and no. Um, A good friend of mine from college is getting married this year, which is crazy. So we're doing her bachelorette party in Puerto Vallarta, um, but that's not until June. And then my second sister is a wedding planner in Texas. And even though I've been traveling for the last two and a half years, of course, now that I want to come back and put roots down, she's like, I really want to go on a trip. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to go to London in June. Um, which will be really fun because she's never been and it's definitely her vibe. So I think mm-hmm. she's excited to, to do some traveling, just like a, just the two of us, like kind of in between budget travel and a little bit more bougie travel. Cause now mm-hmm. we're business mm-hmm. owners that can like support ourselves and we're racking up the car- the points, you know? So yes. um, it's a little bit more of a, of a vacation slash trip instead of like a live somewhere for six weeks kind of travel, which is what I was doing before. Yep. And what kind of obstacles did you come up against, if any, while working remotely? Or are you mostly just like designing and then there's just a little bit of communication? So you're not really 
were you hopping on calls with clients or what, what did that look like for you? Right. So when I first started, I wasn't doing any like video calls, chats, anything. Um, if I did, it was through like Google chat, which is great. Um, because it's also free, um, which was amazing. But the reason I started traveling with Wi-Fi tribe in the first place is their two promises were that they would organize your accommodation and provide high-speed Wi-Fi. And so going to a country I'd never been before with a bunch of strangers and not knowing if there was going to be good Wi-Fi was super scary to me um, because I need Wi-Fi to do my job. And what I was so pleasantly surprised by with this group was that everyone there worked their butts off. Like work hard, play hard for sure. But people were putting in freaking hours. And for me, who's I've never been in a corporate office. I've never had coworkers before. So all of a sudden I have all these coworkers and we're all sitting out on a deck watching the sun go down in Costa Rica, like all working on our own stuff. Like it was such a cool feeling and so motivating for me. And I was still like the youngest one there by like six years. So it just was crazy. Like it was so interesting to hear where everyone came from and what their background was and their businesses. And I thrive on that stuff. Like I love networking in that way. So it was amazing. Um, but yeah, as far as this, like struggles with traveling and working, definitely you have to account for losing time to just do your stuff. Like sometimes you get stuck in an airport for six hours, like, and there's not really much you can do about it. But luckily, like with my job, I just pop up in my laptop, get on Wi-Fi, and I don't even need Wi-Fi to do like Illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of scheduled my time based on where I knew I was going to be traveling. Um, and I had no problem telling my clients I was going to be here, there, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, most of the time I tell them and they'd be like, oh, girl, don't worry about it. Get it to me next week. Like, have a good weekend. Go explore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. So it worked out. But yeah, it's definitely tricky. It's hard to scale when you're always moving around. Yeah. And so tell me what, like, scaling then... Mm-hmm. Since you bring that up, what, what do you mean by that? What was that like for you? Yeah. So I'm right now I'm still only me, um, which is awesome. So my overhead is practically zero. Like I pay for my programs and my computer. That's it. Um, I think the three to five year goal of mine would be to assemble a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I am now to the point where I know I've got my, my process, like boiled down to a science, which is going to help me make it replicatable. Um, I think I watched my parents scale their business and my mom has eight employees now, combination of juniors and senior designers. And I think there's a lot of sense in making those kind of roles where you have someone train a younger person with wanting that younger designer to move into a senior role, but they have to learn by doing and they have to learn by observing and like sitting in on those client calls. And this is how you present a logo. And this is how you follow up. And this is where you, how you take this criticism and turn it into what they're actually looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way I can explain that to someone on a job application. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of experimenting with taking on some, like I said, I've been working with a motion graphics designer for some projects mm-hmm. as an independent contractor. I'm talking to a VA next week. I've got some copywriters I pull in on different projects. Um, I'd love to pull in a website person because I'm tired of doing people's websites. So that's definitely in the plan. It's Mm -hmm. just not come to fruition just yet, but check back with me in a year. Like things could look totally different. Absolutely. I'm sure they will. 
you mentioned like it's hard to travel and scale. Do you feel mm-hmm. like now that you're settling down in San Diego, that's part of like the plan is to maybe focus a little more on your business, kind of be more of a visionary totally. CEO looking forward? Totally. And I had this conversation yesterday with another girl who's also does brand design. And we were talking about how in the future, I want to work a lot less and make a lot more money. I'm working hard right now, pedal to the metal, hustling, connecting, churning out really good work, building up, like I said, that reputation, the notoriety, the record, like, um, I said reputation already. What was I trying to say? (laughs) Basically, (laughs) I'm taking on a leadership position in San Diego as well with a networking group and getting to the point where people know me and unmistakably know my brand and know what I can do is my focus. Like that is what I'm zeroing in on because that's the kind of stuff that will draw clients two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. So I'm playing the long game for sure. Um, But I think I think, yeah, like, I think it's, it's hard to do when you're constantly on the move. Um, I think Mm. there's so much value in being plugged into a community and seeing regular people and telling them what you do, but not only telling them what you do, showing them how you do it. Hey, I had this client, I did this, this, and that, and this was the result. And they may not be your client now, but they might be your client in three or four years. And that's also my strategy behind TikTok. Um, I've seen that. I have a whole theory about it and I'm just waiting. I'm just counting down the days until I can have some people like eat their words on it a little bit because I know, I don't know, but I have a very strong feeling that it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone what you've been doing on TikTok? Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um, TikTok, I started my account this summer as an experiment. My little sister was on it and like, admittedly, we gave her a ton of crap for it because she was doing, she's taking sign language. So she was doing lip sync videos in sign, which was really cool. And she actually did a very good job at running that. I think now that I'm on it, I scared her off, but, um, I got on TikTok and just started posting travel clips and posting design time lapses and, just sharing what I do, um, in hopes to number one, first and foremost, spark conversation. Um, I'll post a sunset of Bali and somebody goes, Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful sunset. And then I can kick off the conversation. Like, yeah, I was here for six weeks. I work for myself. I'm a brand designer. Like you should come follow me on Instagram (laughs) because I share a lot there as well. But what I love about TikTok that's so different than Facebook and Instagram is like your discoverability is completely different. It's much more similar even to Pinterest in that something I posted three weeks ago is still getting likes where like that would never happen on Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like it would have to be a fluke. Um, and like your following number and watch number exposure numbers are totally different. So I'm still trying to get a grasp on that. Like one of my videos has almost half a million views, but I'm like, what is, what is a view? Right. Like, if you watch something, it's 15 seconds. So yep. is it watching the whole thing that counts as a view? Is it seeing it for five seconds? So I'm still trying to crack the code also, but like I said, to me, it's a game. Like I'm mm-hmm. so addicted to trying to figure it out. And with any social media, you just have to sometimes just throw stuff out there, see what sticks and whatever sticks do more of that, you know, and then you'll find your, what performs. And now for TikTok, the travel videos don't perform for crap because there's so many amazing travel bloggers on the platform, but my time lapses are doing great. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. just goes to show. 
That's so cool. I want to hear about your thoughts on Pinterest and people sharing images. Cause I know we had like a very short conversation about it. And I know you have strong opinions, especially with the mood boards and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So will you please tell everyone PSA, talk about Pinterest in sharing. Yeah. I mean, how much time do you have, right? Like we this got all is, day, girl. <laughs> I might have to come on for a second episode just to talk about Pinterest. Yes. It's like the question I get asked the most. Mm. Um, Pinterest is a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous resource. It is so great. The way it's laid out is wonderful. The user experience is great. Like I love it. I use it every day, every day. That being said, there's a lot of poor business practice that's come as a result of Pinterest, um, especially for small business owners. So because something is posted on Pinterest, if you read their terms and conditions when you sign up, Pinterest believes that if you post original content, that it belongs to you. Actually, so does Instagram. If I upload a photo of my dog, I own that photo. So if someone wants to repost the photo of my dog, that's my intellectual property. That's an infringement on my rights as set up by Instagram and by Pinterest. The problem is because there's so much great design and photography and color palettes and everything on Pinterest, people started assuming like, oh, I can pull this as inspiration in air quotes, which you can't see because you're listening to this a podcast probably, but inspiration still like it gets really tricky, right? I'm a big believer in nothing comes from nothing. No one just like creates something out of nowhere. And every idea is a mishmash of other ideas. So that's a whole intellectual property conversation. But I think when you're posting something on behalf of your business and not giving credit to the creator, that's super illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously you're not going to get totally sued. Well, you could get sued, but no one's going to come after you and put you in like Instagram jail (laughs) if you do that. But now it's so easy to find the original creator of the content. And if you're not going out of your way to give that person adequate credit, it's lazy. And in my opinion, it completely tarnishes your brand. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think there's kind of two categories of social media there's creators, content creators. And then it used to be, oh, I'm a content curator. I pull together all these great ideas and I curate this beautiful feed and all this inspo. And that's great, but then you need to credit that person. Um, If you're going to post somebody's photo from their fashion shoot, then like the photographer should get credit the blogger should get credit. The fashion designer should get credit. Like just because you found it on the internet does not make it yours. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got like examples of this, like up the yin yang. Um, but I won't like bore you with all of them. (laughs) I share them all in my Facebook group. So my Facebook group, my Instagram, that's, I mean, this is my biggest soapbox because mm-hmm. I feel like it's not talked about enough. It's not. And you see it all the time. And mm-hmm. I will see other people though, get upset when someone reposts their things. So there are other people on the other side. I've seen this a lot, vague images of a cool place in Mexico. That's like, just has a cool background color and it's like texture inspo and stuff. 
Will you share how, how simple it is to find the source of an image? Yeah. So there's two tools you can use. The first tool is a reverse Google image search. So you can take any image, a screenshot or whatever, throw it into reverse Google image search, and it'll populate all the similar images. And I think with AI, that's only going to improve in the next Mm -hmm. few years. Mm -hmm. So that's a great way to find the original source. Also within Pinterest, there's a search icon on every pin. And if you click that, it will show you visually similar content. The problem with Pinterest is a lot of people upload pins without any backlink. So the point of Pinterest is to give credit to those artists because artists are the ones uploading it. And so you can end up back on their website or back on their Instagram or whatever. Um, And the user experience is that that's only two clicks away. You pull up the pin, you click through, and now you're on that person's website. Um, It's a great driver of traffic for me, for example. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, yeah, when you hit that little search icon, It'll populate visually similar images, just like a reverse Google image search. And more often than not, you can find that original pin. So if you don't want to go through the rigmarole of finding who made the stuff in the first place, don't post it. Make your own content. Go shoot your own colorful wall in your neighborhood and cre- mm-hmm. like add to the conversation that way. And don't just take because it's what's easiest. Um, that's, yeah. That's my big uh, campaign for 2020. (laughs) And it's not by a way of like shaming people Mm -hmm. or making them feel less than because they can't or feel like they can't create content. Like I spent probably 20 minutes in my bathroom taking selfies yesterday so that I could post something because of these earrings I was obsessed Mm. with. It's an iPhone photo and I spent 15 minutes editing it. Like I didn't hire a photographer. I didn't have all these extra, I didn't plan a photo shoot. I just went and took a photo. And like, that's the point of social media. Like get back to why we even started sharing in the first place. It's to create more and inspire more with your own original content, not to borrow other people's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting because there are plenty of people who are thriving by what you were talking about, like curating Mm -hmm. other people's content. I've seen a lot of people, they want to go that route. And I think it's because they're afraid of taking selfies in the, or they're not willing to do the work. I don't know what it is. It's easy to hide behind other people's content. Totally. Right. You see this, if you watch on Netflix, there's a documentary called The American Meme. Okay. And they talk about Paris Hilton as the first example, but they also talk about how these meme accounts like grow huge, like 6 million followers, whatever. They're getting deals. They're getting endorsements. They're getting sponsorships on content that someone else made. That's wrong. That's super wrong. That's very illegal. Like those lines are really blurred, right? Because that individual still made the effort of curating air quotes a feed that on stuff that was funny. Right. But then again, that person that made that original tweet that didn't get credited at all and only has 24 likes, like they're not getting deals with Captain Morgan. They're not paying their rent with Instagram sponsorships. So that line is really tricky. And I, it's such a uniquely millennial problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such a first world problem, but yeah. it, it goes back to the roots of like who owns what, whose creativity can be monetized. And Mm -hmm. I'm a dork for this kind of conversation. I think it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on here. How can my people, our people, these people learn more about you? Sure, sure, sure. So 
Like I said, I'm on every social media platform under the sun. Um, my, handle, my handle is at mkwcreative.co on everything um, that should find it. My profile picture is yellow. It's me with a, mm-hmm. a hat on in yellow. I think I might have to keep that forever because it's my identifier. So, so cool. um, that's that. And then my website, mkwcreative.co, same. And then my Facebook group, which is mm-hmm. my favorite place on the internet, is called Kiss My Aesthetic. Love and it. It's a little bit sassy and a lot about design. So if you're both of those things, you're a good fit. Thanks so much for joining me on the Thriving Creative Podcast. Real quick, I wanted to let you know I'm doing a giveaway. It's super easy to enter. All you have to do is write a quick review on iTunes. We'll take you two minutes and you'll automatically be entered to win one of three Glossier gift cards from now until February 14th. So go do that real quick right now. And if you want to learn more about how to double your rates without feeling like an imposter, I have a free training for you at thrivingcreative.co slash free. You're going to get instant access to this and it's totally free. I cannot wait for you to DM me with all the amazing breakthroughs you will have. So I will see you next Tuesday for another episode of The Thriving Creative.